Welcome. Pull up a seat, grab a cup, and get ready to share, listen, and learn. This is my favorite coffee story with your host, Aniko Samoji. You'll hear about the stories about coffee itself, the history, health benefits, recipes, and more, along with some personal stories inspired by coffee and the lifestyle. Now, here is Aniko Somoji. Welcome to my favorite coffee story. To our listeners all around the world, we have a, a terrific show today. We're talking about presentations with energy, passion, and coffee. And we have a wonderful guest joining us from Madrid, Spain. And before I introduce Helena today, we have our Anikona Farm moment. So what's going on at Anikona Farm right above Kona Town, of course, we still have some volcanic ash in the air that's floating around from some of the volcanic activity. The good news is that the trees are loving it. So just a quick update. The trees are very, very healthy. I actually, I don't even know if I've seen them quite this green. So that cloud cover that's coming as a result of some of that volcanic ash is doing just wonders for our coffee. And so we've had a, right now it's the rainy season in Haluoloa, Hawaii. So we're getting the right enough amount of rain. We're getting some cloud cover and we're getting that volcanic ash that's just looming over the trees. And then they're breathing that in. It's going to be a delicious harvest. So I just want to give you an update. All is well regarding the volcano. We're about two hour drive from the volcano. I feel definitely for our friends over there and we're wishing them well, but I guess a bit of a positive is that the coffee harvest this season is going to be fantastic. So let's talk about presentations with energy, passion, and coffee. We'd like to welcome our very special guest, Helena Diaz Fuentes from Madrid, Spain. She is a professional event organizer, event energizer, and event moderator. She's an interviewer and a terrific presenter. She has her law degree from the Universidad Complutense de Madrid, and she's just the ideal master of ceremonies. Welcome, Helena, to my favorite coffee story. Thank you, Aniko. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, we're so delighted. Yes, me too, me too. (laughs) Presentations with energy and passion, and we were hoping we could share with our listeners, please, Helena, a little bit about your early days in your career, some of those growing up days and family times, please. Please share with us. Sure. Well, uh, I have to say, first of all, Aniko, that I've always thought that... uh, Spain is a coffee country. Yes. Coffee has been a ma- major um, product uh, and a major um, issue, if you want, or, yeah, uh, activity in Spain. Yes. We usually say that the UK is a tea country, but Spain is definitely a, a coffee country. So I was born in Madrid, raised in Madrid, and, um, you know, I've lived in Madrid a long time up to university, and then I left and came back. So it was pretty um, normal, you know, uh, childhood, uh, family, two, uh, three siblings. My parents, uh, you know, were professionals. And it was an easy, lovely life in Madrid. It's a lovely country, Spain, as you know, to live in. Yes. So in that sense, it was, uh, it was fantastic. It sounds like just a really nice growing up time. And then you attended the Universidad Complutense de Madrid to get the law degree. Please share with us some of your favorite classes. Well, let me say first of all that I think it was a mistake in my case to start law. I never oh, practiced okay. as a lawyer. I only did a year really after, after my career. But I've always wanted to be an entertainer. Uh, but I didn't know until much later. So in Spain at the time it was the 70s when I was I was born. I also when I studied it was probably the uh, the end of the 80s. And in Spain there were only you know a few at the time a few careers to study. There was only law, medicine, engineering, and um, I mean teacher. You know professions that help people and are you know we all want to 
you know, change the world, improve the world. So these are the type of professions at the time that all parents wanted for their kids. So I, I was never, I, I never realized, and never, nobody told me that I, I should have chosen a different path. I always wanted to be a journalist as well. But at the time in Spain, you, you know, a lot of journalists told, told me, you should study other, other things. You can be a journalist if you've studied medicine or law. So I, I went into law by mistake. I think it was, um, it was a bad choice. But I, something I, you, I, I believe you always learn something from everything you do. And, uh, and I used to that much later in time, what I, study, what I learned in my law degree, which is to um, summarize to synthesize, you know, to read a paragraph or to read a book and be able to make a summary in a very few paragraphs. I think that's, uh, and I learned to, to read in diagonal, you know, just to read yes. uh, very quickly. So at the end of the day, it wasn't that bad. I used, I used uh, later what I learned. But I, I started by, by mistake because, you know, there was no, for a woman as well, to study, to be an entertainer, to be an artist, to be in the show business. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a proper path. It was a path where, you know, parents used to say, you're not going to make a living, study something serious. So I was a very bad student. I have to, I have to admit, Aniko, I, I, uh, I didn't go to classes very often. I stayed in, in Spain. We stay a lot in the bar, playing cards. It was a disaster. So I don't know if I should confess all my sins now. It's, it's okay. In that regard. Know, I can imagine you also had some times in the coffee cafes or favorite coffee stories if you'd like to share with us. Exactly. In, as I said at the beginning, Spain is a very much a coffee country. And uh, in the past, now things have changed a bit, but in the past, there was good coffee in every single bar. Every single bar you, you had good coffee because of these huge coffee machines. You need pressure, as you know, better than me. You need a good pressure for the water. and you need, So every bar had good coffee. And it was the excuse to mingle around, to, to meet friends. Uh, coffee drinking is a very sociable uh, activity. It's, um, so the excuse is, let's go and have a coffee. And there was more life in the university bars and cafeterias than in the, in the, in the actual classes, at least for me. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like then you did have some good coffees along the way. You probably also had some favorite mentors, if you'd like to maybe yeah. a little bit about some of those well, mentors. Let me say something about coffee and university and studying, which is what kept us, uh, we believe that drinking coffee at night for, you know, before our exams was the, the way to, uh, to stay awake. You know, that was a killer. I remember that drinking coffee the whole night, that was a killer. <laughs> But at least it was something natural. It was uh, not what people have done afterwards. Uh, regarding mentors, it's funny because the word mentor, I discovered uh, not a long time ago. Um, at the time, mentors in, Sp in Spanish, which is mentores or mentor, didn't yes. really, at least it didn't resonate with me. It wasn't, I wasn't familiar with a word like that. And because I skipped so many classes and I was such a disaster. Despite that, I have to say I, I went through the my law degree every single year, no problem, no failing, and anything. But but studying just uh, just uh, the necessary to pass. Um, so really, my mentors, I think at, at the time was my father mainly. I think my father has taught me a lot and has supported me a lot. And later in life, my husband. And now, after after developing my entrepreneurial side, I discover uh, uh, mentors much later in time. So. Uh, Mm, it's it's funny. I, ca I cannot refer to anybody at the time in at the university, but as I yes. said, I'm not the best example of a good student. <laughs> I I think though that it's all turned out so well, and it sounds like your father had a really positive impact in your family as well. And yeah, I'm curious how then you ended up becoming an international reporter, and you traveled to over 15 countries. Well, once I finished my, my law degree, um, uh, my family has always, my parents have always taught me the importance of traveling and learning languages. So as soon as I finished, I had the opportunity to go to, to, to work in Brussels for a year as a lawyer. And I worked in the European Commission and I worked in, um, in a law firm and I worked uh, some, some other places. And I realized and I discovered the, the magic of traveling and meeting people from other places, which I already done in the past because I learned English when I was young in England and I traveled a lot to the UK. 
But then I realized I wanted to um, to find a job. I I I realized I didn't like law. I was not a, I was not a person to stay indoors all time all the time. I wanted to be with people, and that I wanted to travel and be paid for it. It was one of my dreams in uh, when I was young. I remember perfectly what I said. I want to travel and be paid for traveling. So I discover, you know, life leads you to the you know places you don't imagine. I, this this uh, company that offered traveling around the world, doing interviewing um, businessmen and women and, and politicians from different countries, producing special reports, and traveling around the world and getting paid for it. So I lived in around 15 countries in Africa, in Latin America, in, in Europe, uh, Russia, in, in Taiwan, all over the place. And, and I thought, this, this is it. This is, this is my dream job. And then many other came after. But that, that's the way I started. And I traveled during, I think it was three, four years. And I lived in yeah, 15, more or less 15 countries around the world. Helena, that is just fantastic, and you must have made a lot of great friends around the world and probably also shared some good cups of coffee. Do you have any stories that you'd like to share? Oh, yes. Actually, I lived in some of the uh, coffee uh, countries uh, that produce coffee, uh, uh, the, well, not the best, uh, the, the biggest, but some of the biggest, like Colombia, I lived also in Mexico, I lived in, um, in Kenya, Tanzania, so in all these countries because I had to interview the, um, the main uh, companies and the main, uh, well, the, the economy, the, the, the movers and shakers in the economy, I had to visit a lot of uh, coffee plantations or I, I learned how coffee was uh, harvested and then, you know, uh, well, the whole process that you know so well. Um, I, I managed to, uh, well, to, to taste, to do coffee tasting, which I hadn't done until then in Colombia and uh, Kenya and Tanzania, as I said. So um, I, I, I saw, I'm a city girl from Madrid, so I, I saw how coffee was grown, harvested, uh, roasted, uh, put in, in big bags, and, and the whole process. So it was, uh, I was amazing to, uh, to be able to have these opportunities in those, those countries around the world and the biggest coffee producers. Yes, Helena, that is amazing. And I'm so curious, and for our listeners, after you were this international reporter and you've lived around the world, and thank you for sharing those fun coffee stories as well, how you decided you would like to do a, a few startup companies and you have this entrepreneurial zest. Yeah, well, I've never, I've never had a, I've never had a, a a boss, if you want. My boss was either, when I worked uh, traveling around the world, my boss was many thousands of kilometers away. So I've always worked for myself in a way. And uh, I knew I didn't want to have a proper job with a boss, nine to five. So uh, at the time, I, uh, uh, well, I had, I had lived in Syria with uh, the person that is actually my husband now. At the time, we were just a, a couple. Um, and uh, he had fantastic photographs of, on Syria, uh, which had, uh, unfortunately, some of those beautiful sceneries are lost forever after the war, yes. what, during the war that is happening in the country. But uh, we have fantastic um, photographs of the country. And uh, when we finished our assignment then, we decided to uh, come back to Europe, which was either London, because it's uh, British, or Madrid, and to start a publishing house. Uh, and our first book was called Syria Revealed, which has actually been bought a lot from in the U in the U.S. A photographic book on some of the most beautiful places in Syria at the time. I'm talking about 1990. Sorry, 2003, 2002, 2003 was the Iraq War was uh, was taking place, and uh, and so we started a publishing house, publishing books it's called Media Minds, and uh, we've done a lot of books since then of, of coffee table books. Coffee table books, they're called, funny enough. So again, related to coffee. So we've done, you know, hardcover coffee table books on countries, cities, uh, monuments, uh, um, 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 collections of art, art the paintings from different people. And um, we're, still, we're still working. That company still, is still working. But at the time, after that, when we came to Madrid, I, uh, I had a kid. I was a mother. And I, the uh, the um, the iPad revolution. It was 2010, and uh, and it was the, um, the, the the you know the hype of the iPad. So uh, because we did content, quality content for paper for these coffee table books, we decided why not doing on on um, digital. 
and we created a, a startup uh, that was producing books for kids based on the classics, where opera, um, literature, etc. And um, and we started a startup. It was the hype of the the entrepreneur. Now, anybody that didn't want to be, you know, an, an, a regular employee had to be an entrepreneur. It became fashionable. So. We, we wanted to be entrepreneurs, I, you know, and I started this uh, second company, which is the digital touch of classic for books for kids uh, about the classics, which led me onto the third startup until I realized I didn't want to be an entrepreneur. I'm a lousy entrepreneur. <laughs> no. Well, so coming from, going was, from failure to failure. <laughs> no, that third startup was really interesting because you were you did an app for for the for Bridge, the card game Bridge, and that's really interesting. That's right. Are you a big Bridge player by chance? My my partner is a very Bridge uh, a very good Bridge player and Bridge fan. And uh, since when we realized that such a classic the uh, startup wasn't going to it was it was not as scalable. If we had to produce from zero every single, every single um, app, we said, well, this is the same thing we did with the coffee table books. You know, we didn't want this. We wanted to create a scalable company. So we decided to pivot, as they say on the entrepreneurial jargon, we pivot or pivoted the company to that, to the bridge to make okay. a better, a good bridge, bridge app. Yes. But sometimes in business, you either, you have to be at the right place at the right time. Right place, right time. Timing is crucial for business. And it, well, if you arrive too early, it's bad, which was what happened with Touch of Classic and with Beach Bandit. We arrived too late, and it's also yeah. bad. So, so timing true. and luck is very important in business as well. It, it's so, absolutely true. And, Helena, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, so, listeners, please join us because we're going to be talking about Helena right after the break, a little bit more about how she realized she loves to do public speaking and presentations. And we were just sharing about Helena's entrepreneurial spirit and how timing's really important. And so we can't wait to share a little bit more with Helena right after the break. So please join us. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvin Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to My Favorite Coffee Story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. 
Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. We're having such a nice time with our wonderful guest from Madrid, Spain, Helena Diaz Fuentes. And we're talking about presentations with energy, passion, and coffee stories. And we were just sharing with Helena a little bit about her early days, how she had been an international reporter, had lived in many countries, traveled to over 15 countries, some of her favorite travel stories, as well as how she decided she did pursue law, but then she ended up doing various entrepreneurial things as well. And we were just going to ask Helena about how she realized that she loves to do public speaking and presentations. Helena, please tell us how that happened. Well, being an entrepreneur, you have to um, uh, to present your 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 a startup, your product, your company to to investors. Is what they call the elevator pitch, the famous or infamous elevator pitch, which. For me, the first time I saw one was on that film. In that film, uh, um, you remember Melanie Griffith? Uh, oh, what is right. it called? Um, oh yes, the Working she, Girl. A Working Girl, exactly. Working Girl. She goes into a lift and she has a few seconds to sell his her idea to the CEO of a big corporation. So that's what entrepreneurs around the world they are super familiar with uh, doing entre- uh, elevator pitches. So I had to do a lot of these, uh, either English or Spanish or whatever, French, or uh, to investors to sell my idea, to sell my startups. And suddenly one day, some of those co- corporations and companies started calling me and asking me if I could present their events, their you know, prize-giving um, awards, uh, giving celebrations or ceremonies or, you know, events they had both external or internal for them. And I said, well, I'm not, I'm not a presenter. I'm an entrepreneur. I only do this for me. No, 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 no. We've seen you. So and I, I tried once. I realized that I was born to do that. I had the time of my life and they were even paying me for that. And I said, are you paying me? It's like going to a party, having fun and getting paid for it. And I say, this is it. I'm going to do this. You know, it's like, what I've always wanted to do when I was little, I've always liked making people laugh, entertain people, but I thought entertainment was only singing, dancing, or being an actor. And you can be an entertainer by talking, you see. At the time when I was little, there was no Oprah Winfrey, Ellen DeGeneres. Uh, we didn't know these, these women um, entertainers, if you want. Or, and uh, that's what I realized I wanted to do. And now you are a professional event energizer, moderator, interviewer, and presenter. How would you describe your favorite part of giving a presentation, Helena? Oh, I, it's making people laugh. That's making cool. people laugh and laughing with them. I think we, laugh, we don't laugh enough, people around the world. Um, presentation events in general are extremely boring. And because I've been in the audience in my previous years, I've, done, I've seen as, as a public, as the audience, so many boring events. Uh, I realized that I, ha- I had the power to change that and, and to do it the way I would have liked to do it with, if I was sitting in the audience. I mean, in, in, in the States, you guys, you are the kings and queens of entertainment and, and pitching and selling, and you're used to doing this. But in, in Europe and in Spain in particular, they don't teach that at school. Uh, people are, we are extremely shy to speak in public. People in Spain have a very uh, uh, deep uh, sense of, uh, um, you know, of um, of ourselves. We don't want to speak yeah. in case we, we, you know, we are doing something stupid. And I have no problem whatsoever if I if I look stupid or I'm the clown. I, I enjoy being the clown. Obviously, from a professional, always with a professional um, uh, style. But um, what I enjoy most is. is it's just giving the audience what I would have liked to receive and, and just having fun and, and laugh. Yes. Well, you know, how do laugh you... Laugh out loud. Laugh out loud. Well, how do you energize the audience, Helena? And what are those, those important elements for a great presentation? Well, I, there are many. You can search on the Internet, and everybody has written about this before. So I'm, I'm nobody to teach anybody. But my experience is... is is the, the, the common knowledge. Is that I call it the three Ps, which is obviously prepare, prepare, prepare. No, it's prepare, <laughs> but prepare, preparation is, is vital, it's crucial, paramount. Prepare, practice, 
and polish, I call it. Preparation is paramount because whether you think you know what you're going to say, you can tell when somebody has not prepared what they're going to say, whether they are super professional journalists or speakers or doesn't matter. Prepare, preparation, research, know who are you going to talk about, the company, the, the company you're representing. I always represent somebody else, usually a company. You cannot look stupid for when you're, is the image of someone else. And then practice, 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 practice until you know it by heart or until you are so familiar, you don't, you don't get confused, you don't get mistakes, you don't, you know, practice. And then the final is polish because when you start, polish, or I call it polish, polish yourself, look good, wash your hair, clean your nails. I mean, look nice and dr nicely dressed according to the event. Uh, that's the first impression. So to me, those three P's are fundamental to, to prepare the event. But then there's another, another aspect, which is improvisation, which for me is the, the, you know, the top of the pops. It's for me, it's a lot of fun to improvise, to speak to the audience, to uh, interact with them. That for me is when, the, it's when I have the most fun because improvisation cannot be prepared. So it's a bit contradictory to what I said, but there's a lovely sentence I heard not a long time ago. Somebody said, I'm going to prepare my improvisation. <laughs> so when you improvise, if you've had already done your homework or your research and you're very confident about the subject, the company, and the speakers and the people that you're going to introduce or, you, or the conversation you're going to moderate, then you have a much more powerful improvisation because you feel more confident. You feel that you control what's going on. And to improvise, uh, it's a lot of fun because uh, I think just being natural and, 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 uh, and being vulnerable in a way when you show your emotions to the audience, when they see that you're like them, then they're like you, and you're yourself, it's when things work out really well. And you do an amazing job, Helena, with your presentations and your improvisation. Share with us if, just maybe a story where you had to improvise and it made the meeting go better. Oh, there's a really good one. I, uh, I, I present every year for the past five years at South Summit. It's one of the major technological innovation entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurial events in Madrid in October. There's like 35,000 guests, five, five stages. I have to introduce 150 people. There's all the VCs, you know, venture capital investors and, uh, and uh, business angels and obviously entrepreneurs from around the world. There's a lot of pitching. And um, I had a, I had, um, I had a, um, a, table, um, a panel of all the top VCs in, in Israel, from Tel Aviv or from Israel, you know, the venture capital, um, the top uh, most important ones. And the moderator, that wasn't me, it was someone else. It was a VC from, from actually from the state, a Spanish person living in Silicon Valley. There was a problem with the, with the flight and he couldn't make it. So we were waiting for the moderator, and obviously I hadn't prepared the, uh, the questions because it wasn't going to be me. And these guys are super top and uh, very clever. You cannot just ask them no matter what. So I, I, I was almost in panic. The, you know, the, the, the audience was there waiting. There's these five guys were there on stage waiting. And I said to them, you know what? Well, first of all, I, I, just, I, I start sweating, obviously, but then I, I, I had to think of something. So I said to them, well, it seems the moderator is not here, but you know what? We're going to let the audience moderate this panel. So I had previously quickly found a friend amongst the public sitting there, and I, I told my friend, you have to ask a couple of questions, or I'm going to stop this friendship forever. So <laughs> when I said to the panelists, okay, let's, let's speak to the audience. Let's, let's let them moderate. So I said, are there any questions? So obviously my friend raised his hand. You know, the first question is always the most difficult, the breaking of the ice at least in Spain. In the States, you're more, you know, straightforward and more, you know, adventurous. And my friend asked the first two questions, and obviously everybody else followed suit. And when the, the panel, the panel finished uh, 45 minutes later, uh, it was very lively because obviously the, the guests, the, the speakers, the panelists were extremely interesting. But they came up to me, these pieces from Israel, and they said, oh, Elena, this has been a very interesting panel. It's, it's, it's been more fun than any of the panels we've ever done before. People were saying, you can tell this was really prepared. And I was, yes, 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 of course. So it went out extremely well, but I, I thought I was going to, you know, just die on stage <laughs> that day. 
Well, you work with uh, quite a few clients, including Google and Telefonica, if I may mention. And how you work with your clients is very interesting, I think, for our listeners, because I know that you, you're you one of the few uh, presenters and moderators and public speakers where you're fluent in Spanish and French, as well as English. Tell us a little bit how you work with your clients. Well, the usually people that that, that uh, hire me is because they've seen me before. Uh, they've seen what I do. Uh, they tell me, funny enough, you're going to laugh, that they do it in a very American way. You see? I don't know what it means, but I guess it's, you know, very straightforward, very, you know, direct, very... Uh, we're not used to in Spain. We're very institutional, at least until now. People are very, you know, square, and everything has to be very... This time, so when they see me, they they say, "Oh, it's not that bad. She's very American, very lively. Let's let's hire her." So they they tell me what they want. Uh, I listen, and then I do whatever I want. Always keeping the the. Um, I mean, I, obviously, first thing to know is what the message the client wants. What is the message they want to send across to the audience, and then I work with that. But I always give it my own style. I think it's important to to have a your own. You have to be comfortable with that. And uh, it usually uh, works out fine because mm, uh, at the end of the day, what the uh, the client is what it wants is that the the audience leaves with a good impression and a good memory. And people remember an event, not what you say. Obviously, what you say is important, but also how you make them feel. And if you give them good food, good drinking, good coffee, and okay. uh, and uh, and a, a good fun, you know, usually they work out fun. And have you noticed that in events? In the schedule, the breaks are coffee breaks. They're not sandwich breaks or tea breaks or just breaks. They are coffee breaks, which coffee is very present in all, all my events and in, in everything I do is the moment where people do the networking, which is so important in events because most of the events are, you know, they do it, uh, you know, presential. You don't do it through Skype. The reason is that you network during the coffee break. It's when you do business, when you meet people, so it's very important, and that's why these big companies still doing the uh, the classic way, you know, meeting, getting together in a city and, and a venue, and just having coffee. That is so true. That networking is so important at these events, and how you keep the flow going, and then of course how you're trying to focus on what the company is trying to, the message that they're trying to impart. And how you work with very large audiences is really impressive, Helena. I'm curious, before we go to break in a couple minutes, how you keep your energy going during these events. Okay. Shall I tell you now? (laughs) Before the break? Yes, please. We have a couple minutes. Sure. Sure. Well, coffee is is, is, uh, paramount. Uh, I, I'm very passionate and energetic since I wake up in the morning, but I realize that the days that I don't drink one co- cup of coffee, I am, I'm, I'm 50%. When I have my cup of coffee, I'm 150%. And then what keeps me going, the energy, it's, uh, it, it comes also from the audience. You know, people, we have energy. You know, the people, we send vibrations. I don't know what it's called. I don't know the scientific uh, principle, but I can feel the energy coming from the audience. That's why I don't like doing events just in front of a camera when there's no live audience, there's no public, there's no people. Because I can receive what they're, you know, if the event is going down, I have to push it up. If it's going out of control, I have to bring it down. Control the time. Time is crucial. I don't like going, you know, delaying events that take over time because time is precious for everyone. People have other things to do in life, so you have to respect time. And I guess the the just just looking at all these people looking at you, you have to you have to uh, um, you have to give them what they're wait that they're waiting for. So uh, uh, if if I get recharged by the people there, and and obviously a nice cup of coffee at the break. <laughs> I could see how that would work, how the audience really feeds off of what you're doing and vice versa. But I also sense, Helena, as we're chatting, that our listeners are also feeling your energy and passion just through your words, which is which is wonderful how you can impart that. And I think that's what also makes you often be the ideal master of ceremonies, because you can read the audience and you can also sort of control 
control how that energy flow goes, which is quite a talent. So when we come back after the break, listeners, we're going to be asking Helena a little bit more about her upcoming projects, some of her travels, and then, of course, how she finds time to relax and balance her time during her busy schedule as she's traveling to various events and preparing for presentations and then giving presentations. So please join us right after the break. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. Voice America Network proudly presents the Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to the Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to My Favorite Coffee Story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. We're talking about presentations with energy, passion, and coffee with our wonderful guest, Helena diaz Fuentes. She's a professional event energizer, moderator, interviewer, and presenter. She lives in Madrid, Spain, but travels all over the world. She's the ideal master of ceremonies. And we were just chatting with how Helena energizes the audiences and how she also how she maintains her own energy. And we were just going to ask you, Helena, a little bit about some of your upcoming projects and travels. What's on the horizon? Well, um, I do a lot of events on, um, as I said, as being a former entrepreneur, a lot of events related to innovation, technology, entrepreneurship, investment, etc. So um, um, there's, a fu- there's a few fun ones going on in, Madrid, in Spain now before the summer in, in Granada, the beautiful city of the Alhambra. And uh, a lot of, uh, it's like the, like the, like the, final, the final event before the summer for the, the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Spain to prepare for what's coming in, in, the, in the fall, in uh, October, November, it's a very uh, high season for events all over the world. There's a lot of uh, um, things going on. I have a lot of, of events in Spain uh, this year. As you know, we, I just come from Luxembourg, where we met. But um, there's uh, all my future events, at least for this year, are, um, are in Spain, related a lot to this, uh, to this uh, entrepreneur, entrepreneurial ecosystem, although I have also fashion, I have also pharmaceuticals, uh, um, insurance, uh, um, and I've also have already booked some events for next year, up to uh, up to uh, May and June next year. Which at the beginning of this career was surprising for me because I thought that this only happened to opera singers that you have to book so much in advance. But in this job as well, uh, so um, there's a few a few interesting ones coming up for next year as well. 
Exciting. And we're so grateful to you, Helena, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with us today and sharing all your inspiring stories. We were wondering for our listeners, how do you find time to relax and balance your time in between all your presentations? Well, I have a, a fantastic job because I don't have a proper schedule like nine to five. As I said it at the beginning, my job, I sometimes have to work at night, three days in a row, then on a weekend. But then sometimes I don't have to go to an office for a week or to, uh, you know, I can prepare from home, from my office, from, where, from, right. from a bar, having a cup of coffee. I could work from every, anywhere. So obviously I have a fantastic uh, husband that is supportive and helps uh, and does a lot of the work in the house with the kids despite having a job and um, uh, that to have people around you that help you friends family it's it's it's, uh, it's paramount it's it's vital and i just enjoy sometimes just being with with my family and friends i'm a very simple person in that sense i just you know around a good cup, cup of coffee or a good glass of wine and just being with friends looking at the sunset that's uh, reading a book Yes, those are very important times and special moments, and I'm glad you have those family times. And I'm curious, do you have some hobbies on top of that? Well, the usual ones, Aniko. Uh, traveling, of course, it's, uh, to me, is what opened my mind, my eyes. It made me learn languages, made me uh, know a lot of people. So traveling is a hobby, it's a passion, it's a way of living, it's a need. I think it's uh, everybody should travel. It's important. And dancing as a lot of way of burning. I have a lot of energy. It's true. So uh, I have to dance to get, you know, rid of it. And to, I think dancing is another way of expression, and it's very healthy. And then just going to the theater. I love the theater. Despite never wanting to be an actress, although loving the stage, I like to see actors on the theater, at the theater, at the opera, you know, all the cultural events, theater, opera, cinema, reading. And as I said, Enjoying life with, with friends and family, coffee, good meal, and a, and a, nice, uh, and a nice view. So for me, those are, it's, you can't ask any, anything else to life. No, that's just beautiful. And Helena, I hope that you and your husband and family will come see us sometime at Anikona Farm on the big island of Hawaii. Yeah. And have some fresh coffee on the farm and good meals and a sunset and maybe even a campfire dinner. So we would love to see you. We always love seeing friends on the farm. So when you're living in Madrid, Helena, it, you've shared a little bit about the theater and good moments there in Madrid. Do you have any favorite coffee cafes? Well, uh, as I said, in the past, Spain it was, had good coffee everywhere in every single bar. And we only had three types of coffee in the past. You remember it was the coffee with milk? And we, we, don't even have, we don't even have to pronounce the word coffee. You just say with milk, con leche, or <laughs> coffee solo, alone, you know, just black coffee, solo. And you didn't have to say coffee, black coffee, just say un solo. And café cortado, the what, a bit of milk, the cut, you know, the coffee. There were three types. Nowadays, we have all these other chains and, uh, you know, and different types of coffee. So I'm a bit confused, to be honest. I'm still, you know, coffee has diversified, globalized. There's a lot of uh, international names in Madrid of nice coffee shops. But I'm still looking for that original, lovely coffee in a normal bar. And you can still find a few of those, just the old-looking not impressive, not beautiful bars, the classic ones, the typical old Madrilenian bars or cafeterias more than bars. And you, there you can find the best coffee, I, I, I would say, with, for, a, for a good price because sometimes you have, to, you have very good coffee, but it's very expensive because it's all these fancy, fancy <laughs> cafeterias with fancy, you know, marks yeah. and stuff. And, you know, you pay a lot for just a fancy coffee. Was, I, I like the, the original, the... the you know, the, 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 the one you just you grind yourself and it smells good and wakes you up in the morning and, you know, brings memories of so many different things in life and events, adventures. So just go, when you come to Madrid, just go for the ugly-looking cafeteria. That's, that's where the good coffee <laughs> is found for a good price. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. And we talked a little bit about how you love being a professional presenter and uh, running these meetings and energizing the audience. How would you describe your dreams, Helena? Oh, my dream is to become a talk show 
uh, host to reproduce in Europe or in Spain what you have in the States with Oprah Winfrey, as I mentioned, Len DeGeneres, just yes. interviewing people that are fantastic because one of the things about not having to tell the story of your life all the time or doing your own elevator pitch, but talking about other people's lives is that you learn a lot. You meet a lot of interesting people that have done really well in life, but really bad and then really well and then really badly again. And uh, I, I think, and, and, and you know, finding the secrets of their success, of their, of their life. And so I'd like to do a proper talk show in Spain uh, or anywhere else, as, as, um, as, uh, for that matter, where you can laugh, you can have fun, you can learn from the guests uh, and do it in a, in a, in a, in a natural, spontaneous, uh, fun way, just a proper talk show. That'd be my ideal dream with a live audience, of course, with, to interact with them. Yes. Oh, I can picture you doing that, Helena. And we we look forward to to seeing you on your talk show and wish you well with that. Definitely. That's so exciting. How would you describe some life lessons that you've learned along the way that you would want to share with our listeners? Wow. Um, it's it's Common, commonly used, but this carpe diem, you know, like seize the day. Um, that's for me, it's uh, live every day like it's the first and the last. Think of how I'm going to live this day so I make the world a bit better. Just by making people, that's why laughing, uh, making people laugh, I think it's a, it's a social job. It's a way of, of making the world better, even if it's just making your neighbor happy. You know, you don't have to, you know, save, save the world like in the Hollywood films, you know, just make somebody happier next to you. So um, to me, listening to people, that's one of the keys of being a, although I work with my voice and I'm supposed to be talking on the shows, listening is crucial. It's very important to listen to people. We don't listen to each other anymore. So I've learned to listen by talking to people. It's funny and it looks, it sounds a bit uh, contradictory, but uh, I think it's, uh, we should listen more. We should laugh out loud more, and we should give anyone a chance because everybody has something to teach us. So don't take life so seriously. Laugh a bit more. And that's really important, and I appreciate you sharing that with our listeners. And definitely you have added a lot of joy to a lot of listeners' days around the world. So we're so grateful to you being with us today and and giving some of your words of wisdom as you've talked about your dreams and some of the life lessons that are important and seizing the day and seizing the moment. So we really appreciate those those lessons. How would you, many of us think about, uh, you know, we have public speaking in our day, whatever it is, whether we're doing a quick presentation for someone or just even trying to speak with uh, a small group. What would be Mm -hmm. some of those things that you would recommend to someone to think about uh, for public speaking words of wisdom? I think storytelling, it's, uh, it's very important. The way you, um, you arrest and people will resonate with your message and with, your, with you is if you use storytelling to connect with them, use your emotions. Obviously, the, story, the, the, the stories that work better are your own stories. But in my job, for example, I do so many events, I don't have own stories for every single event. So I use other people's stories or I use jokes or I use, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, stories from, from films or from, from books. But storytelling is very important to connect with uh, an audience of 3,000, 300, or even in a meeting with six people. Connect with their emotions first. Tell the story of a personal story or a story that they resonate with, they, they, can, they can identify with. Transmit emotions before you transmit, you know, the product, the, the, the sale or whatever you want to do. And always put yourself into the other person's shoes. What is this person? What, what are they going to take from this meeting? And they obviously the other person is thinking, what is in for me? Show me the money, as they said in, the, in that film, or show me what am I getting, what's in for me. Just if you want the other person to pay attention to you, don't tell me I want, I want, I want a job. No, you say how I am going to make your company 
make more money or be a better company by hiring me, for example. If you're in a job interview, you see, you put yourself into the other person's shoes and you tell them what, how you're going to make their life better. I think that's very important. No, that's so true, Helena, and we appreciate you mentioning that. And also thinking about the storytelling um, aspect of how when we're speaking is really a good lesson. So thank you for sharing that as well. We've had so much chat, fun chatting with you, Helena, and, and all your inspiring stories and about presentations and what makes a good presentation work and that emphasis on preparation. That was really helpful. So thank you for sharing about your story and your personal journey. We're so grateful that you joined us today, and we'd like to thank our listeners for joining us as well. We've had such a nice time together again on my favorite coffee story we, we've talked about how to deliver energizing presentations and some of the secrets to public speaking uh, that was so helpful to listen to Helena so we appreciate that and of course hearing Helena's some of her favorite coffee stories along the way was really inspiring too uh, coffee stories in Madrid coffee stories during travels and coffee stories during the those big meetings and how people network over a cup of coffee. So thank you again, Helena, for sharing that. And listeners, of course, if we'd, we'd love to continue the conversation, we can always entertain your questions, please, at orders at anikona.com. And we do have our Anikona gift on anikona.com. So we'd love to share with our listeners. Thanks again for joining us today. Thank you to Helena and we wish you a wonderful aloha until next week on My Favorite Coffee Story. Thank you for taking an hour out of your busy week to join us on My Favorite Coffee Story. Please tune in again for another edition with your host, Aniko Samoji, next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, we hope you'll have a relaxing week.